I want to share this morning, but before I, I share with you this morning, I just want to say a couple of things. And it has to do with centering our life around Jesus. And I wonder how many of us do. You know, this, this morning, I, I was praying and, and uh, I, I come to saying, you know, Lord, I, I love you. But then the question, it was like the Lord was saying, how much do you love me? And I have to say, and the scripture came to my mind, I love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. But then I had to be honest and say, Lord, I want to. I know that I don't. That's my goal, to love him with everything. But are we honest with ourselves? Do we? Do we at all times love him like that? And if we do, what is the focus of our lives? Father, this morning, we want to come back to the center. Open up our hearts. Show us ourselves. Speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is the you? Who is the you? Last week, we, we talked about Jesus being the center of our life and our existence. And we came to understand that Jesus is, he is the author, he is the king of kings, he is the creator, he is the Lord of lords, he is the judge, he is everything. He's the center of everything with one exception. He's the center of everything with one exception. God in all of his sovereignty has given us a choice in life and spirit. He's given us a choice. God will never force you to himself. In his sovereignty, God has allowed us to make a decision of faith and of love. It's our decision. Here's what Paul writes in Galatians. If you have your Bible and you want to uh, look at the passage from Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. And Paul writes here, he writes this, he says, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I live 
for God. I live for God. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And I live that by faith. I live that by faith. Paul in this passage really speaks of his determination. He is determined to make Christ the center of his life. It's his decision. It wasn't God that says, you are going to follow me. You are going to love me. You are going to do all the things that I ask you to do. You are going to respond to me. Now, Paul was determined to make Jesus the center of his life. And that's not a, an easy task. Because for most of us, it's a struggle to make Jesus the center of our lives. It's not only a struggle for you. I believe it's a struggle for every pastor. For every human being. Make Jesus the center. But I also want you to hear this. Making Jesus the center of your life is not a question of salvation. It's not a question of salvation, it's a question of spiritual growth and fruit. Making Jesus the center of your life is about spiritual growth and truth. I want to share a story with you. I found this story a number of years ago. But I am very moved by this story. I have no idea who the author is. The author is unknown. But it goes like this. One day you are going to meet a special elderly person. You may have already met this person, but if not, it may be next year or in 10 years or 20 or 30 years from now. But that person is waiting for you. You will catch up to that person sooner or later. You may ask, what kind of an elderly person am I going to meet? Well, that's one of the most important questions that you could ask. This elderly person may be seasoned, soft, gracious. A person who has grown old gracefully, surrounded by a host of friends who say they have been blessed by what this person's life has meant to them. Or this elderly person may be bitter, disillusioned, dried up, cynical, without good, good word, soured, friendless, and alone. The kind of elder, elderly person you are going to meet will depend entirely up to you. The person will be exactly what you make of him or her. Nothing more, nothing less. It's totally up to you. You will have no one to credit, no one to blame. Every day in every way, you are becoming more and more like this elderly person. Yes, it's amazing, but it's true. You look more and more like this person, think more and more like this person, talk more and more like this person. In fact, you are becoming 
this person. If you live only in terms of what you're getting out of life, this elderly person is getting smaller, drier, crabbier, more self-centered. If you open your life to others, thinking in terms of what you can give, make your life a contribution, this elderly person is growing larger, softer, kinder, greater. The point to remember is that these things don't show up immediately. All these things will show up sooner than you think. These things, so important now, attitudes, goals, ambitions, desires, they're adding up inside where you can't see them, crystallizing in your heart and mind. Someday, they will harden into that elderly person, and nothing will be able to soften or change them. Time to take care of that person, that elderly person is today. Examine your heart, motives, attitudes, goals. Check up on that person. Work that person over right now. While he's still or he's still, he or she is still pliable, still in a formative condition. Because the day will come quickly when it's too late. When hardness sets in, when character sets, gels, crystallizes. That's the finish. A wise person takes inventory regularly searches for better goods, and orders new products, then you will meet that kind, lovely, gracious person at just the right time. This illustration is about who is the you? Who is the you? In this world we find that all the focuses have centers, and those centers are on ourself. The world centers around self. In fact, it began at the very beginning of time, when Eve ate the fruit of the forbidden tree. You know what? She wasn't thinking about God. She had this perfect relationship with God, but she wasn't thinking about God at that moment. She also wasn't thinking about Adam. You know who she was thinking about? Eve, herself. Genesis 3, chapter 6 says, Eve saw that the fruit was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining, gaining wisdom. She ate it. You see, it, it was all about herself. She was thinking about number one. You ever noticed how people like to move into the center of things? That's where people like to dwell. We want to be, as human beings, we want to be in the middle. We want to be where things are happening. None of us want to be left out on the side somewhere. They, we all want to be where exciting things take place. And most often, when those Circles happen. We want to be in the middle of it. For example, just think about this. Where do you sit at a movie theater or at a hockey game or a football game? Where do you sit? If you have the choice. In the center, right? 
That's where you want to sit. I know I do. When I go to a movie theater, I kind of make my way halfway down, halfway in the middle of the aisle, and I have the perfect seat. And I get there early to make sure I get it. Because you know what? That moment is about me. Who in their homes watches the television from the worst angle? None of us. You know where we place ourselves? Front and center, that's right. Let's take a watermelon for an example. What part of the watermelon do you eat? You don't eat what's around the edges. You eat what's in the heart of the melon. Here's another one. Oreo cookies. What's the important thing about Oreos? It's the center. That's what you focus on. When you go and you buy a burger, what do you focus on? The bun? You focus on what's in the center of the bun. If you have knowledge about something, you've got education, knowledge, experience, and somebody's talking about this particular subject. Where are you? You're in the middle of that conversation, right? If we're honest, I think we all desire to be the center of one thing or another, especially when we're passionate about it. That's the place where we want to be. That's the place that we desire. Now I know there's the odd person who's going to say, no, that's not my place. I don't want to be in the center of anything. I like to be on the outside of things. I like to watch things. Well, you know, it may be true. That may be true of you, but it's only partially true because you're not in the middle because of a few reasons. You may be shy. And so you don't like to be in the middle where there's a tension. You tend to freeze up. You know, when eyes start to look at you, like everybody's eyes looking at me right now, you freeze up. You don't want to be. How many of you want to be standing here? It's because of a fear. Most people fear to be in the middle of things. It's difficult. It's awkward sometimes. Sometimes you don't want to be in a certain place in the middle because you're afraid of being embarrassed. Fear keeps you out of the middle. You have a desire to be there. You see a lot of things that you want to do, but you don't go there because of all of these other things. However, all of us do want attention. We long for it. We want it. We want to be important. We want to be recognized. And when it comes to life, you are the most important person in the world. So I want to look at ourselves this morning. I want us to look at some centered comparisons. 
comparing self-centered characteristics to Christ-centered characteristics. Being Christ-centered or self-centered is something. Because Christian or non-Christian, we struggle with it. But I think every sincere Christian wants to be on the path of growth. Every sincere Christian wants their life to be Christ-centered. Even though we struggle with it, we still want to be Christ-centered. And there may be all kinds of reasons why it doesn't happen. We're going to explore that a little bit this morning. A Christ-centered life is fundamental for Christian growth and ministry. And being centered about around Christ is actually more important than you probably have imagined. Because you see, there's a paradox here. The more our lives are about Christ, the more real life we experience. The more we give away of our life, the more of life we experience. That's scriptural. The more we give away to Jesus, the more he gives us. And I think that's what we're after, isn't it? More life. So I want to take a look at a couple of scripture passages here first. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. I love this passage. Paul writes here in chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all. Therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him. Who died for them and was raised again. Those who live should no longer live for themselves. Paul was determined to make his life Christ-centered. It was all about him about Christ. Another passage, John, 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And here John writes this. He says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is, is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Life is in Christ. Outside of Christ, we don't have life. We exist. Scripture says, this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. 
He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Life is about Christ. We died to our old, worldly, sinful self. We have been raised in Christ, with Christ. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. <laughs> I don't think that Paul even understood that when he first made a decision for the Lord. But I think he discovered it along the way. The more he gave himself to Christ, the more of life he received. The eye was dead. Is the eye dead in us? You see, it's not about you or me. It's about Jesus. Question is, or is it? Dale Campfield has done a number of studies and comparisons. And I want to share some of these comparisons with you. They're not mine, but they do reveal some real interesting truths. As we look at these comparisons, I just want to ask you to examine yourself. Ask yourself, is this me? Is this me? Is this who I am? And is this how others see me? Three questions to ponder. If you are a Christ-centered person, think about how you can minister to those who are not. As we go through these, be honest with yourself. All I'm asking is you be honest with yourself. There's nothing worse than lying to yourself. Because you hurt yourself the most. First of all, we'll start with this number one. We'll go to the next slide here. Self-centered people absorb the energy of those around them. Self-centered people absorb the energy of those around them. They're the kind of people that basically suck the life out of you. They're very recognizable. I remember a friend of my mother's after she lost her husband, spent two years every day on the phone, along with all the visits. And in the early part of her loss, there were two or three phone calls. And they were often hours. And I know there's a time that people have a need. But two years? My mother put up with that. In kindness. In love. She carried that woman. 
needy people always want you. They don't look after themselves. They want somebody to look after them. You've probably encountered people like that. In fact, you may be one of those people that are incredibly needy. You always have a problem. You're always hanging on to someone because you want or need the attention. So my question is, how can we help you? How can we help you get over yourself? How can we help you become a person that gives rather than a person that takes? On the other side, a Christ-centered people. Release the energy that, of God to those around them. Christ-centered people release the energy of God around them. It's just there. It, it, it just comes out of them. It bubbles over. They're consistently giving off the, the, God's, the force of God's power. You, you, you can feel it when you're around them. They release this energy, they, this strength, this peace, this truth, this comment, uh, contentment that they have. And, and they are just wonderful people to be around. They're a, they're a power source. And God uses them in a very powerful way to, to change people's lives. They're an energy station that, that people come to to get refreshed, to be picked up. Have you ever known someone like that? And if you have, don't you just love being around them? Don't you just wanna, want to want to take part, be like them? You know, be, be able to do the things that they are doing. The, these Christ-centered people are always encouraging, always positive, always lift you up. They always make you feel better when you've left than when you came. You always end up feeling good about yourself. If you're one of those people, how can you use your position to help those people who are sucking life from everyone else? Secondly, self-centered people can talk the walk. Self-centered people can talk the walk. They, they can talk up a good game. Self-centered people just know exactly what to say to keep everybody's attention for a while. They just go on and on. They know about everything and anything. It doesn't matter what subject you bring up. They've done it. They've experienced it. Uh, and maybe they've seen something done or maybe they've had a hand in something, but, but they share it as though they've been a pro at it. They got an answer for every, every topic. And, and when you have them around you, you, you almost think that you know, they can walk on water, you know, like, like Peter did. But then also like Peter, when things don't, when, when you call them out on it, they sink because they have no foundation. There's nothing there. These kind of people want to be more than they are. 
They want to be more than they are. I think there's a longing. There's a longing in their hearts. They long to be valuable. They, they long to be able to do exactly what they say. But they can't. And so this insecurity is something that they, they, they use this means to bolster up their insecurity. Maybe you're one of those people. Do you recognize yourself? Some of you may. Some of you may not. Can we tell these people who they are lovingly, kindly, with tact, not to hurt them, but to help them? Maybe we can, but we struggle with this question of how. How can we do it? I suggest prayer. I suggest more than just saying, Lord, how can I help this person? I think sometimes it's good to talk everything through with God. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what you see. Tell him what you understand. Ask God questions. I think somewhere along the line, God all of a sudden brings something to mind. And you become that Christ-centered person who can help. The Christ-centered person, the Christ-centered people walk the talk. They don't just talk the walk. They walk the talk. Christ-centered people follow through with the things that they say. They follow through. If they say something, they do it. They live the example of Christ in their life. They just don't talk about it. They live it. In fact, most Christ-centered people don't talk about the life they live. They just live it. They're not all about talking. They're all about walking. Thirdly, self-centered people drive you away. They're in, inconsiderate. Self-centered people drive you away are inconsiderate. This is something that when you encounter a person like that, you feel, you sense, you know it inside. And your response really is to that person, I want to get away from you. I don't want to spend time with you. I don't want to be around you. These kind of self-centered people are, are arrogant. They're, self, they're conceited. They're self-righteous. And they often speak to you in a con condescending way. Like, like they're better than you are. And, and all you want to do is avoid them. Sometimes we can't. I've heard of stories where, where people are, know people like that and they, they're at the grocery store and they come around the corner of a, an aisle and there's that person. And they look and, you know what? They didn't see me. So they turn around and go down the other aisle. 
It's true, isn't it? It's the truth. They're just people you, you, you almost have to build yourself up to a place and say, okay, I'm going to be around them because I want to be nice to them. Because I want to minister to them. We have to ask questions of people like that. What are the needs of such people? And why? Why do they do that? What's going through their mind? What's lacking in their lives? Those are things that we've got to ponder and think about. Christ-centered people draw you. They pull you towards them. They pull you with them. Christ-centered people have this amazing magnet around them that just draws people towards them. You just have this sense when you meet them that, that you want to be with them, that, you, that, that their personality is really compelling. It, it's, like, it's like when you leave and, and, and you come back, you want to come back and be around them because they have this, this influence on you. It's not one that's arrogant. It's not one that's proud. It's one that's natural. It's one that's Christ-like. Something that you, you just want to be. Christ-centered people tend to inspire you. They tend to help you move to another place to make an impact. They're making an impact on other people's lives. And, and you're drawn to them because you want to do exactly the things that they are doing. There's this aura that they have around them. They're always optimistic. They're always seeking the best. They're always looking at the bright side of things. They have this sense of love and genuineness and sincerity that, that just radiates from their, their being. They just have it. And I believe it's because Jesus is truly living inside of them. They're centered on who Jesus is. When we look at the scriptures, we find that before Jesus even did a miracle, the crowds already surrounded him. No one can say that the crowds followed Jesus because he did a miracle. They followed him because of who he was. And when that comes from you, people are drawn to you. It's not something that happens for a moment. It's something that lives with you. It saturates your life. And it affects everyone, no matter where you are. These are just three. Three self-centered and Christ-centered comparisons. And I think that's enough to chew on. It's a lot to chew on. Because it makes us think about ourselves. makes us think about others. If our faith is true and we real, then we are going to want to know ourselves. We're going to want to understand ourselves. We're going to want to change our lives from being self-centered to being Christ-centered. If our faith is real. Next week, I want to look at four more. Because I think this is important. It's important to understand ourselves. If we're going to make Christ the center of our lives, 
that we have to recognize who we are. If we don't bother with that, you're never going to have a Christ-centered life. It's always going to be about you. I want to close with this passage. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. And here, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. That's the Christ-centered life. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Self-centeredness is a deceiving life. Encourage one another. That's what it's all about. When we see someone struggling, if you're Christ-centered, God has placed you in a place to help the self-centered person. That's a big task. But, as Bob Goff said, love, we'll move to the next slide, love God, love people, and do something. Father, we want to praise you and thank you because you are at work. You are doing something in us. And we ask, Father, that you would be doing a big work, that you would take this life of ours and that you would open our eyes to see ourselves and to recognize where we are, what kind of a person we are, and give us that desire to become Christ-like. To center our lives around him. Because Lord, we know, we know, if, if we have centered our lives around you at any time, we know that that brings peace, satisfaction. <laughs> it allows us to really be happy about the life that we're living. There's such a great comparison, Lord. I know when I'm self-centered, there, there is no satisfaction. But when my mind and my heart and everything is centered around you, then I know at that point I am truly living. And Father, we want to live. So fill us with your life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.